0: chicken podcast guys it's me jimmy and guz and we have a special guest today hey guys i'm
1: talal i'm chief science officer
0: at few labs Oof, chief science officer that's a that's a big title yeah. can you tell us how somebody gets a chief scientist or what do you say Office Office chief science science officer
1: officer <laughs> um yeah, so really I think a big part of it was I got lucky that I jumped into the cannabis industry very early on. Pretty early. Uh, so I got in in 2016 on the LP side, I mm-hmm. started working with Matrim. Um, I really didn't think I would be doing what I'm doing today, I started working on the finance side. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were one of the first to start extracting cannabis oils. And the cool thing about what they did is um, they were the first to use CO2 to extract the oil as well. And I I don't know if you remember, but the first extracts that were available on the market were those little bottles with tinctures, you know, in MCT oil. So that was one of the first products I worked on. And um, back then, it was pretty much all a growing game. And I'm not really, I'm not a farmer. I've never really had an advantage growing. I don't have a green thumb. I wish I did. Um, But I realized that the cultivation side of the industry was not really for me. I had a degree in chemistry and I actually grew up around the pharmaceutical industry. So that's so what you Exactly, manufacturing, large scale manufacturing um, for chemicals is really what I understand. So mm-hmm. I realized, okay, there's stuff in this cannabis that we should be extracting out. Smoking a joint's amazing, but if we're talking about a medical product, we should be able to measure the different compounds that are in, in the plant. Exactly, and make it more precise so that the, the results are more predictable for the patient
0: yeah i remember mean, well, you said you didn't uh see yourself getting into this because you were on the financial side so like let's just dial it back let's start from the beginning like all right what was your childhood like how did you what was weed to you growing up not just even kind of just you as a kid how was all right so um there was no weed around when i was growing
1: up okay. um okay. i was born in tennessee and very quickly after that my parents moved to switzerland mm-hmm. uh, my dad worked in big pharma for roche at the time Um, and that's why we moved there to where their headquarters are in Basel, Switzerland. Um, We were there for a few years, and um, after that we moved to Jordan, which is where I went to uh, early school and high school. Um, I lived there until I was 17. I was a very, very energetic kid, actually. Um, I was an ADHD kid, you know, so I was always bouncing off the walls, I would climb off of anything I could see. I just had a, like, there's, honestly, I have two passions in life. One is cannabis and the other one's climbing. And you still I, climb been, I still climb now. I actually took a bit of a break from climbing for a few years when I first got into cannabis. Um, because, honestly, uh, cannabis was more than a full-time job in the early days. It was, um, it was one of those things where you get up at 6 a.m., you start work by 7, and you don't go to bed till 10, and you do that 6, 7 days a week. Just because everything was moving so quickly, you didn't want
0: you didn't want to miss out, exactly. right?
2: Yeah. Sheesh. You said everything. I feel like everything is moving quickly, even like right now. So, like how would you compare the speed at which things are moving when the industry first started getting going? So, like right now, I
1: would say things moved a lot quicker back then. People were raising crazy amounts of money. There was only three or four licensed producers at the time that anyone knew about, right? Versus today there's nine hundred. So yeah. it was a really tight industry and the competition was a little bit more aggressive because it was like you knew who all your competitors were. Yeah. And you knew them like personally. personally yeah. Well, yeah. Which I mean, really yeah. is like it's a different kind of like work environment when it's such a small industry. Yeah. Um, so it was it was really cool to be around during those days. And also everything was changing so fast. So like back then, no one's ever seen a cannabis vaporizer, right? Like, I remember seeing some of the earliest dry herb vaporizers come out and be like, I wonder if there's a way to make one for extracts. There, that didn't even exist yet.
0: Wow. So and that's no, how early, early you were in the game.
1: I mean, I, were- I started dabbling with extracts 10 years ago, a little yeah. over 10 years ago, back in 2009. Wait, let's, so, talk, let's talk here, about that a little yeah. bit
0: later. Let's get into that.
1: Okay. How did you get into that? um so i came to canada in 09 to go to university and um someone so actually i came in at 17. my 18th birthday was a month after i arrived Mm -hmm. on my 18th birthday someone gave me a joint as a birthday present and that was my first ever experience with cannabis and i i actually fell in love with it it was one of the most amazing experiences i've ever had
0: yeah same like i remember the first time i too. Changed my view on a lot of stuff for real. Oh yeah. <laughs> changed my
1: view on a lot of stuff. I just felt so much more relaxed. Um I was away from home for an extended period of, of time for the worst time. And like that really helped. It makes like, lose kind of the anxiety, freedom. right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. It, you lose the anxiety of being away from home. And um I actually like always was a very picky eater and when I came here it was even harder because I didn't have the food I was used to. And then, and then when i, I found weed, was
0: like, i didn't care what i was I let's go <laughs> i feel I'm that not. man i actually can't relate to that because i'm pretty much a picky eater too and i would say that since i started smoking i thought it was since i moved over here but then now suppose supposed to say that when i started smoking i'm a lot open to a lot more foods i never mm-hmm. thought it was the cannabis i always just thought maybe it was changing my environment but maybe
1: Oh, I, I definitely Baby. think it was the cannabis for me. Baby. There's things I never would have been open to trying before that I would be like, I just like experimenting with food now as well. I like flavors. And, like, what cannabis also did for me, like, part of the reason why I fell in love with it was um, the different flavor profiles, the terpenes, right? Yeah. That's where I realized, like, there was a time, and I remember the first strain I smoked where I realized not all strains are the same. Yeah, yeah everything I was smoking in the beginning was an indica and they all had that like gassy, like, yeah, you know, like, yeah. So it was all kind of the same flavor profile when I, when I got into it in the beginning. And then one day I got, I got to try my first haze and it was super lemon haze. And yeah, you know, know, I was fine yeah, like, of those? Oh I love them. Wow. Like not all weed's the same. <laughs> yeah. I felt like super energized. It was like <laughs> and it was a nice summer day when I went to the beach and I was like, oh, okay, yeah. like this is the kind of weed where you want to go out and do fun stuff. Exactly, in. right?
0: That's sick to me too. I'm more of a sativa guy myself. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> so before that, I was used to like the couch lock, right? Hi. Oh, yeah. And then that was the first time I smoked a joint. And instead of like sitting on my couch and turning on the TV, right. I got in my car, I went to the beach, rented a surfboard, and I actually learned how to surf that thing. Wow. like, this is
0: incredible. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Why am I not only smoking weed like this? That is sick. That is so sick how you Whoa. just got up and said, I'm going to learn something. I just did it, bro.
2: <laughs> That's my crazy. Would you say this is like the point at which you started looking for like specific like terpenes in oh, yes. and shit like that?
1: Well, actually, no, that was that was when I started realizing that not all weed's the same. I didn't know it was terpenes, I didn't know what it was yet. Yeah. I didn't know it was the smell. I knew like this weed smelled incredible, and I thought it was just really good weed. Yeah. And then I found my second haze, which was I think it was a blueberry haze. Mm-hmm. And I realized that. Felt similar to the lemon haze, just a little bit different, yeah. but it was completely different from the, um, cushy gases. Like the, the yeah, yeah, the cushes, the diesels, all yeah, the stuff yeah. I was used to smoking before. Um, and that's when I was like, okay, there's there's something here. So that's when I stopped being like, okay, I'm only gonna buy weed from one source. Like yeah, yeah. back then, I had I had the guy I went to, and yeah. like whatever he had was what I was but, buying, yeah. right? and i realized that there was a lot of variety in cannabis so why am i buying everything from the same source yeah exactly right i needed to start expanding the the sources i had so i can expand the variety i was getting Mm. and then i went on a trip to montreal and i was like okay i wonder if it's going to be different here and i started buying from different people over there and i realized the availability like what was available in in montreal was very different from what was available in Nova scotia Mm. and then i was like okay maybe i should just start Everywhere I go in Canada, I start trying different cannabis, and then I got, eventually worked my way all the way to BC, and I was like, "Wow, like these guys on the island, those guys can grow <laughs> BC shit." So, I keep um, hearing
0: yeah. how good BC shit is, like real like BC it. The charity. craft stuff, like it's you got
1: the large growers who, like, okay, they benefit from the climate a little bit, but at the end of the day, it's like the guys on Vancouver Island and Kelowna who have the right kind of climate, that dry Western climate. Mm. And then also they have generations of knowledge out there. They have people who have been growing, like their grandparents have been growing and their parents Mm. have been growing. That's so much knowledge that's passed down from generation to generation. And it's crazy that some of the LPs think like, can produce that same quality and mass or they exactly. haven't
0: even they haven't even been in the game as long as some people have maybe like pharmaceutical or like uh, maybe a like, lot of cpg right yeah. Like a lot of
1: those guys come from like companies that were selling alcohol before or selling no, yeah. like other consumer packaged goods but the thing is like the problem with that is they don't have the appreciation for the product right exactly you're talking about something like wine here I mean, yeah, you still have CPG people in one game, and they sell a lot of box wine, and that's probably where all of the bulk volume is. Yeah. But the good stuff comes from the small craft producers.
0: Yeah, it'll always be the always, ones. yeah, because they have the level of care you can put into
2: like a single plant as a person versus a machine that's doing it, doing the same thing for every plant.
1: Exactly. Like i I've, I've seen people that spend eight hours a day with twenty plants versus LPs that have one person for like three, 400 plants, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think a big part of quality, I always say comes from plant to people ratio. Mm-hmm. The more people you have mm-hmm. per number of plants, yes, yeah. the better your quality is gonna be because they can pay so much more attention to that individual plant. They'll defoliate it, right? They'll catch a pest on it right away. They'll see any nutrient deficiencies right away if it's the right person, right? Yeah. And that's something I think that we haven't really seen on the legal side yet. It hasn't developed to where the customer is demanding that level of quality from the producers. Mm-hmm. We're like, as consumers right now, we're, we're okay with getting cheap, okay wheat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And there is not a lot of consumers that have developed their palate and have experienced enough different types of cannabis where they can recognize really high quality. Some energy.
0: people do though, because I get while oh, walking, people who walk into our store and be like, oh, "Like I tried this, like it was okay, but like it wasn't what I was expecting." Because mm-hmm. maybe the the LPs, like you said, they don't put as much care and attention into each plant. It's all like mass produced stuff, and as you know, mass produced stuff is good as efficient, but like you lose a little mm-hmm. bit of like something of special. Yeah, mass produce something, you know? mm-hmm. So I see a lot of people coming in. Like you would, I would say right now the market is changing. When well, maybe like when it first came legal twenty eighteen, maybe that's when people. But now people have been smoking a lot longer, and then people are walking You're up starting, to me yes, and yeah, yeah. being like, hmm, "This is cool." They're talking about like different profiles now. They don't really use terpenes. I still try to educate people on terpenes, but they use like. Like scents and like, food. I think that's yeah, actually yeah, a better terpene. way to do There's it. I think,
1: I think going for terpenes is actually very confusing because mm. there is, when you're talking about cannabis, unless you're talking about a vape that was formulated with botanical terpenes, yeah. it's very hard to pinpoint which terpene the flavor is coming from, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's a cocktail of terpenes, it's not one thing. And altogether, they give you that really cool profile. Mm. So, trying to say that this is lemonine or this is piney, yeah, sometimes you have things that are dominant with those. Yeah. But the really cool profiles, it's really hard to say what terpenes are responsible for that because it's actually like a very wide variety of terpenes. So I can give you a great example. Things like um, like super lemon haze is definitely high in lemony, yeah. and you have one dominant terpenes that gives you the flavor.
0: Yeah, that big US.
1: Yeah, and there are flavor profiles like that. That's like pine, lemon. Um, Mango. Those are things that come from one specific terpene. So, like you have lemonine that gives you lemon, right? You have pinene that's going to give you pine. But the really cool flavor is like what we did with VCP or something like orange cookies. You're not going to be able to point out to one terpene that's going to give you that flavor. There is no terpene that smells like orange.
0: Yeah. No, the sugar, no, right. No, the thing, continue, yeah. There is no one terpene that smells like. I know that's that's yeah. possible because we're smoking um, cookies and cream. Together, people can't
2: sure come to this and expect it to be like the actual like cookies that are literal baked good
0: because
2: yeah. we, we have customers sometimes that be like does it is it really like cookies is this thing really like no i mean it's as close as a plant itself can, you can get. get to cookies i right? mean it can
1: get really close i just haven't seen that happen here yet right like if you i don't know if you guys ever got to try orange cookies but that was a strain yeah. that no i haven't tried it anymore. that was straight up orange really yeah damn
0: so how does how does somebody do that then in like to cannabis because it's like it's so own different there part. are
1: genetics and that's what like that, to me that's what i would define as exotic genetics right you have all your regular strains that they all smell the same and the market's flooded with them yeah but every once in a while there's strains that smell completely unique and those are mutations that people have found where like a cannabis strain can produce a smell that isn't typical of cannabis so like I I don't know if you remember our BCP did that smell yeah. like weak to you? No. So but the flower smelled that way too. Really? Yeah. That okay. So yeah. you, you start with the right kind of flower, you preserve the terpene profile, you create flavors like that when you extract them without having to add
0: anything. So your flower smelled like that berry kind yeah. of smell, wasn't? Yes. Oh wow. Yeah. What would you get your flower from I mean, okay, wait, let's not get too sidetracked. let so let's you just
2: confirm the. You're talking about the black cherry punch, right? Okay. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. was sure because like when you said you said it a little fast and acronyms are like, wait, what? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a black
1: cherry punch, but yeah. unfortunately, like almost none of the black cherry punch flour on the market smells yeah. smells or that. anything remotely close to the stuff I processed, even though I know a lot of it came from the same grower. So that means it grew really well. But then when it came to curing it and packaging oh. it, something went really wrong.
0: Damn. So if it's the same producer, then rough. Yeah. that means oh, yeah. did did not really care at all. Then.
1: And I can tell you, like I've seen it out of the, I have seen it come down from the room when it was harvested, and I've also bought it in market, and it didn't even look. did the same. Whoa. That's rough. So I don't know what happens from yeah. when it gets harvested to when it goes to the store, but so something bad. Something, bad. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: something really bad. <laughs> So you said you worked your way through all the markets. You went all, all the way to BC. Then what happened next? So, like how did you so back people? then I was still in school, right? Mm-hmm. I was um,
1: I was still a university student. So every time I had vacation, I'd go somewhere across Canada. And then one day I um, I went to BC and I went all the way to Nanaimo on Macro Garden. And that was when I found weed that was just so far better than anything I've smoked before. And that was when I was like, okay, this is incredible. And um, right after that that's when I actually got my first cannabis job. Mm. So I got an internship at a company called Metrum, um, which was one of the first medical uh, licenses in Canada. They were, I think, the second or third. And Tweed was one of our biggest competitors at the time. Um, And that's where I got to start learning a lot about cannabis. So I did everything from cloning to pruning, to harvest, to packaging. And a lot of it was because that's when I lived in middle of nowhere in Bowmanville. And I didn't have internet for some reason. I can't remember what it was, but uh, all I had to do was pretty much go to work. So I'd wake up every morning, six thirty, seven a.m. I'd go to work. I'd wait until someone else comes in to open the door so I can get in. <laughs> yep. Uh, and um, I wouldn't leave until like nine, ten p.m. at night. And um, I remember like, People would be like, what are you doing here? Like I had a finance job. My boss was like, you can only work nine to five. I'm not paying you overtime. I was like, I don't care. I'll still come anyway. I got nothing else to do. Yeah. So I would come in at 7 AM. I'd work in the girl from like seven till nine and then go do my finance job nine to five. And then um, usually like five till eight, 9 PM I'd go work on the packaging line. And that way I got to do literally a little bit of everything. Yeah, everything. Mm-hmm. You get to see the process start to finish mm-hmm. and you do it all yourself. And that's one of the cool things about that is like, eventually when I left and I started building up my own facilities and hiring my own teams, it was was very, very helpful because I was hiring for jobs that I have done myself before. So I really knew what went into it, the challenges you face and like the things that like you need to be good at for each specific job. No one's good at everything, right? Yeah. So like when you've done all of it yourself, you know where your strengths and weaknesses are, you know what you're good at, and then you can recognize other people's strengths and That's weaknesses and see where they'd be able to fill your gaps or do better than you in certain yeah. areas as well.
0: That's sick, that is actually so cool. I wanna know like what goes into that kind of process? Like how did you even find the, met- the metro job? you are just looking for cannabis jobs a little so bit? Or? I
1: actually was not looking for a cannabis job at all. I was looking for, a, um, I just needed to do an internship a certain amount of months to get my MBA because I didn't have enough work experience mm-hmm. and um, I needed something in healthcare because before that I had worked in pharma and I was like okay this was called Matrim Health Corp I was like this looks right down my alley oh, yeah. I'm just gonna go for it I didn't even think about what they did and in the interview uh, um, they're like you know what we do right and I was like not like, exactly can you like explain it a little <laughs> oh, <well. laughs> and they're were like we're a medical cannabis company I was like, awesome yeah that sounds pretty
2: cool (laughs) yeah Yeah. yeah. was thinking that no coincidence this was just meant to be yeah
0: (laughs) those things that just happens right so like getting a job in the industry then versus now what do you think easier harder definitely a lot harder now Mm -hmm. um back then no one wanted to
1: touch it it was like oh like you're gonna go into something that's like borderline illegal Mm -hmm. like it was very frowned upon the stigma was still there it's like it's still there today but it was way worse Mm -hmm. back then right and like I had three degrees by then and I had spent seven years in school to get three degrees and when I told my parents that I was going to go into cannabis they were like are you crazy like we sent you to school for seven years so you can become a drug dealer what are you doing with your life I was like I really think there's something here I think this is gonna be an incredible industry and they're like I don't know we'll see like try it out for a year and maybe you'll be over it so I jumped into it, and I was like, okay, we'll see. Literally everyone I talked to back then, before taking that job, told me I was crazy for taking it. Oh, look, look at it you like, not look a at single it. person was like, no, go for it, man. This is gonna be great. Yeah. I didn't hear that from anyone, but for some reason, I just knew it was what I had to do.
0: That's good, man. I guess at that time, too, like you said, the stigma was much worse. Yeah. So like. It's like, I don't think anybody's going to willingly really tell you to go into drugs, bro. like exactly. I, like what they perceive to be like an illegal substance. Somebody's going to be like, yeah, for sure, you should totally get a job. And like, it's like, somebody walks up to me now, like, I want to start selling heroin. What do you think? I'm not going to tell them like, oh, yo, that's a good, that's a good job. Like, yeah, keep doing what you're going to do. Yeah, exactly. Because of the way I'm not, I think heroin is bad, but like, I, I don't even know if there's any benefits to that, just because of the way like all the information that i've received and the way i was socialized and mm-hmm. stuff like those drugs are bad so yeah it it but
1: for me it was okay so like i had a very different experience for weed all like weed itself as well so like when i came in and i smoked my first joint to be honest i, I always struggled with school growing up mm-hmm. but after i started smoking weed school actually became very easy mm-hmm. um so i realized like for a lot of people that doesn't work, smoking weed's not a good thing, it doesn't make them more productive, but for me my GPA like increased significantly after I started smoking weed. I went from academic probation to being on the Dean's List. Damn. Oh, yeah. And um, by the time I graduated I had a great GPA, I had a degree in chemistry, a degree in economics, a minor in biochemistry and an MBA. And that's why it was kind of like crazy that I was going into cannabis when I was like graduating with great grades. I had three really good degrees. Um, felt like I could do a lot of other things. Like finance seemed to be like what most people were pushing me towards. But I was like, I think I want to do something more different. Yeah. And we just felt like it made sense at the time.
0: It makes, it's making a lot of yeah. sense now for real. Definitely now, yeah. <laughs> so how did, you, how did you get with fume now? Cause I know like that's like where you're working now and like, yeah, yeah gifted those these nice fume room batteries room. and pods. Yeah, we'll show you guys later, do like a bureau with that later. But like, yeah, how did you get in with Fume? Uh, so Humble and Fume
1: was originally an accessories company. So yeah. they sold pipes, bongs, like grinders, all that stuff. And um, their chairman was involved in a free end. We had met a few times there. Mm. And um, I met him in Kentucky at once, I think we were looking at a CBD company. And back then I was actually working in Florida um, with Liberty Health Sciences and I was their chief science officer down there. And that was actually a pretty cool place to be because I put over 90 different products on the market in Florida. Um, Some of them are up here today. I actually tested them down there first, like Soleil and Riff. I built the formulations for those products down in Florida. We launched them for a year to test them out in market and then um, started doing them in. Up here and uh, that was like a lot of fun to do and then we got to work with other brands like Mary's Medicinal, so I got to work on creams and ointments and patches things like that as well and also like it was only extract so like that market was so cool because everything I developed was not flower based you couldn't sell flower in that market no smokables.
0: it was not Oh, in Florida, it was still can't see.
1: the only thing you can smoke was a vape so yeah. I got to really spend a lot of time playing with vapes and that's also when I realized that like I was making 90, 90, 95% THC distillate. And when you smoke that, you're not really getting high. The patients come back and complain and they say they're not getting any relief from it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But then when you create like a 70, 75% full spectrum oil, the patients really get all the
0: medical benefits that they're looking for. And yeah, the full spectrums, the roses, the things, I still have a little bit of like that platform. Yeah, exactly. That's that's it. So you, you humble a few more were they based out of the US or they, uh, they were based out of Canada, so, okay, so I was still, was still based at that hi, time. Hi, 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 cool. Exactly. So they pushed you kind of?
1: Um I no, I okay. left I left Liberty first. Okay. So um Liberty got to a point where like all the people I worked with left. Mm. Um especially the people who brought me in, which were the executive team at freea Like I don't know if you remember when Ubell and Coley and all those guys mm-hmm. left, I was very close with them, so I, oh, oh, I was with them. Makes sense, yeah. Um and I actually was going to take a little break from the weed industry back then. I wanted to go on a long road trip and yeah. just like see what's out there. Yeah. Um, and because, like I was saying before, it was more than a full-time job. It was like your whole life is dedicated to it. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of burnt out at that point and I felt like I wanted to take a step back for a little bit. Um, but then the chairman of Humblewind came called me and was like, is probably not the best time to take a break when Canada is going legal on 2.0 products and that's what you do. Yeah. So He's like, just come back for a little bit and like build out fume for us. Like we have Humble and Fume, we're an accessories distributor, we have a sales team that goes across Canada. Why don't you come back and build a cannabis brand, like a cannabis brand product for us that's like extract based um, and then we can distribute it through the same network. And I was like, that sounds like a great idea. Um, so they gave me the money to build out the facility and i built it in 48 north's uh old grow in brantford just converted a grow facility mm-hmm. into a processing facility which is actually a much faster way to get a license than to apply for a new one mm-hmm. um and then uh i pretty much had it built out within nine months product within production within a year
0: Wait, so how does one get go about this they just give you like the the funds i mean you just get the people get the that's pretty
1: much how it worked. Yeah, like they gave me the money and I did everything from there. Okay. Um, I hired, started interviewing people. I pretty much hired everyone on the fume team um, and then got a construction company to start building, older ordered all the equipment and here we are.
0: That's pretty interesting. pretty
2: interesting, gonna say, what, what exactly sent you into like extracts? Just thinking like extracts are really like kind of like the future of cannabis. is something that more people need to like get on. So
1: extracts you mean like rosins? Yeah. Um so I started with obviously cartridges. Um the five tens were incredible in the beginning because they were the first wave that was available. Mm-hmm. But there obviously it had a few issues. Yeah. First of all it never really felt like weed as as much as I try to go for a full spectrum, there's still something doesn't get me all the way
2: there
0: yeah no we do like sometimes yeah. i feel
2: kind of like after hitting my vape like i got the edible high like almost like straight THC
0: into my system no it's just something about the way it feels it doesn't just feel like
2: like smoking a joint yeah,
0: yeah it doesn't just
1: feel the same so like with with our vapes i'm trying to get as close as i can to as close as possible to a, a joint but a lot of the vapes on the market are straight distillate so like it feels very different from a joint yeah But with the extracts, you can actually get a lot closer. Also, I think that there is something to be said about minimum processing, like least invasive process. And with these extracts, I think that's what you're doing. Like, I I think the diamonds and the sauces, all that's cool, but that's not what I want to get into because that's still um, a hydrocarbon extraction. You're still using Mm -hmm. a butane propane blend and you're always going to have some kind of residuals in there. You're also going to have like a lot of people are using crc as well to like clean out the colors and like get it to like they like those white diamonds or like mm, colors, yeah, right? yeah. that's all treated right so to me it wasn't about how do i process it more to get it cleaner because to me that's the idea behind like we've done that with a lot of things like refined sugar for example what yeah. sugar is not that good for you yeah, but we had that idea that we wanted to keep going cleaner and cleaner and cleaner and that's when I was like thinking like, is that really what I want to do? When I realized that smoking a 19% this is not making me as satisfied as smoking a 20% flower joint. So why am I trying to go a lot cleaner versus-
0: Just preserve what's yeah, good Preserve the good, the good. Yeah. exactly.
1: Like we need to be preserving the good part instead. And when I started thinking that way, like first I was like, okay, let me use CO2. Let me make sure I keep everything in it. And that's what we did with the pipe But then I realized that there's things like extra virgin olive oil that are just cold pressed. Like even juices, we see cold pressed juices sells for more than your box concentrate juice, right? And the way I'm looking at it today is everything in the market is a concentrate juice. Like everything you can put into a 510 cartridge, that's concentrate juice. But what I can make in the concentrate form in rosin form, that's your fresh cold pressed
0: juice. juice. Which one do I want to be consuming more of? Right? Yeah, <laughs> well, because one is a lot more like natural and more as is, mm-hmm. and one is just like synthetic or like just a. Because I don't, I never really like distillants because like, why do I just want like just THC, just like just to blast my head? I'm not trying to just get super blasted. And just blast your tolerance end. up.
1: Doesn't get you that high. You're not even satisfied in the end, and you're <laughs> just you need to use more and more, more really, right? Yeah. And it needs to always get high. Like if you start smoking a THC isolate at 99%, you're not gonna get high from anything else, but you're never really gonna get high from smoking that either. Yeah. Um, right. It's so, just gonna be in this limbo, this you're weird just, space. You're, you're messing up your tolerance, right? You're you're boosting your tolerance without really getting the experience that you're yeah, looking
0: for. Us. So what's the point of the boosted tolerance now? Exactly.
1: So I think that's why it makes sense to like start looking at like lower concentrate Lower uh, like THC concentrations mm. with more other stuff in there, like higher level of terpenes, a higher level of flavonoids, more minor cannabinoids, right? Like, so with
0: your with your rosin's now, like what kind of like percentage do you go for for THC? Do you just try to keep what was in the plant or like? Yeah, like
1: it's we're not even trying to go for a level; it's whatever the plant has, right? And no, it's based okay. on the ratio of terpenes to like cannabinoids to other compounds that it has. Mm. And really, with with the rosin, the way you're doing it is. You're harvesting the trichome the trichome has the juice of the plant mm-hmm. and i'm just popping that trichome and taking the juice out i'm not doing anything to it right it's just cold pressed it's like taking an orange and i'm, I'm just squeezing it. the juice out i'm not manipulating it in any way it's whatever the plant gave me is what is yeah, going yeah. into this product versus like with a lot of the vapes what we're doing is you're squeezing the orange you're taking the concentrate out you're adding whatever you need to preserve it you're taking out the things that go bad and then you're putting it into a box and that box, like just think about it this way a box of orange juice can sit on the shelf for three years without going bad fresh orange juice and think about like that's kind of the same thing when you're talking about vapes versus concentrates
0: fair so with that analogy said now do you um check you only get the best oranges like how do you ensure that you like only the best like, yes yeah. so how do you, do you get the that same products from you get the same product from the same suppliers as the other like competitors and stuff who do the distillates and who do like the also, flowers
2: also like what do you look for specifically in the flower because i remember how you said like ter- like one thing i have a very overpowering terpene and there are other things like that but it don't taste the same like what do you look for if you're not looking for terpenes only,
1: so I'm not looking for one specific terpene. First of all, I'm looking for, I'm looking for a flower that has a profile where you can't tell me this comes from one specific terpene. Mm. It comes from a combination sure, of. Terpene. So many yeah. things
0: that you can, but it's just so sort of something unique, can you just can't like. Okay, I see, mm-hmm. I see. So you That's you you're to, the, the facilities. Yeah. I'm, I'm assuming you turn the facilities where they're growing. Mm-hmm. You get a little bit of samples. You. And you only pick the cream of the crop.
1: Exactly. Well, we have two different lines, right? So in our in our vapes, in our cartridges, that's a, a, a lot more forgiving in terms mm-hmm. of like, what I can put into it, right? Because there is refining processes. There is like it's more like there's a lot more processing that goes into it, right? So I can pick and choose what I want to put in and take out. Versus with the rosin, you don't get that yeah. like it has to come all from the starting material so just to give you a bit of perspective what we would be willing to pay for for flour to make good rosin is 10 times as much as what i would pay for for the Oh, so you're willing to spend the extra cash definitely yeah you think it's worth it i think it's worth it and i think there's no way you can make good rosin without getting good flour
0: hmm.
1: versus the vapes i i can fix a lot of mistakes that were done on the grow so you can. okay,
2: okay. so would you say you typically go for like the let's say when you're getting flour for vapes you go for like the mass-produced stuff versus when you want rosin, you go for like handcrafted only. Yes and no. So the rosin handcrafted only all the time.
1: Um the vapes, we have two different lines. So we have our true flour, which we put into five tens. Mm-hmm. That's the mass-produced stuff. Because we want them to be evergreen, we want them to be as uh, low of a price point as we can get. Okay. So it's whatever the best mass-produced product is, is what we put into the five tens. Okay. But then i also have every once in a while i do a signature product in a pack squad nice. mm. those are typically small batch craft grown as well
0: those ones are more to the quality of the rosin maybe not the mm. same exactly it's like, a stored, exactly. Less yeah. It's yeah. like it could have been a rosin it's not good
1: enough to be a rosin but it's, <laughs> it's good it'll make an incredible bait oh, versus yeah. like everything else is like it would have been okay
0: flower so we'll make good vapes with it
1: fair. Uh-huh.
0: fair 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 so now um with all this said now you've been making these rosins and vapes and stuff has anybody in your personal life ever come up to you and be like yo this shit you made right here this shit's fantastic oh a lot of people <laughs>
1: a lot of people come up to me and they're like you've changed me for me forever wow um, that must be a nice thing to hear that's an incredible thing to hear uh, especially with the orange cookies and i've actually made a lot of friends that way too i people i didn't even know who would really like find out like Tried that product and would like find out where it came from and would come to me and be like, "How? They, how they this have this to search to you <laughs> Like,
0: bro, this is so good. I had to find great. you to see like who is the mind behind this. That is wow. so cool. Yeah,
1: that's definitely happened a lot with the orange cookies uh, more than any other product we've done. Um, and that was because I think with that product it was um, it was flour, right? Oh, it was we oh. used yeah, we used flour for it. It was one of the best input materials I've ever found in the Canadian market Ooh. and um we really just like went all out that was one of the only times when I was like I'm gonna see what I can actually do you know like how when Volkswagen decided they're gonna build a Bugatti they wanted yeah, to see yeah. how fast, <laughs> yeah. what's the fastest car we can build we don't care if anyone's gonna buy it or not
0: yeah so that's kind know, of what I did with see, the orange cookies that's like what, what
1: can I do if I really go out oh, yeah, and all. make the best vape possible that was the orange cookies. Is there still some on in- no, the available? No, people hunt it down <laughs> right now. Like I know people order it from BC and Alberta when they find it in stores over there. Wow!
0: So it's yeah. like done. It's hard to. Like, yeah, to scavenger to
1: find it. Oh, exactly! <laughs> I made ten thousand units, and that was it.
2: Ten thousand back back when,
1: in uh, August twenty nineteen. That's when they
2: dropped. I think it's gone. It's, it's, really gone. Gone. <laughs> it's <laughs> gone. August
1: twenty twenty. Sorry. Okay, yeah. okay tw- yeah. I'll okay. Be baby, so baby, there baby. might be baby. one, two left on the market. And then... are there are like very few left. I and mean, actually, I just got wine the other day from Alberta last week. Wow. wow. I'm gonna yeah.
0: go look for that shit. I have friends in Alberta. I'm probably just gonna ask him. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's where
1: I know. Like Alberta has the last. Um, I think they have like about 500 units left. What, wow. what LP
0: was that? What LP did you drop that on? Uh, from
2: Gage. I got it from Gage. Gage? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so, okay. I've seen the. I've seen like the board from Gage. It was pretty mm-hmm. nice. Yeah,
1: it was really nice, and like we got it a lot cleaner because it hadn't gone through like packaging oh, into the yeah. stores and
0: stuff. So like we really got to preserve that orange flavor. Damn. Damn, I, I, I want to try yeah. that now. I really want to try that now. Well, speaking of trying stuff, like what do you use, what do you have anything to tell the people? You have stuff on the, the pipeline coming out soon, or something you want people to try? Or like? Uh, so I
1: would say like our black cherry punch right now is the most unique product we have on the market. Mm-hmm. If you can find the orange cookies definitely try, try that but that. that's almost impossible right now um we have a mango skittles on the market in mm-hmm. a pack spot as well which is pretty unique too um it's uh so what i realized is with that one um it was actually made with watermelon skittles so it's not really a mango profile it's
2: like that minty watermelon okay i was wondering I've only wonder had a watermelon skittles i was like mango skittles is that a new one no
1: it's a, it's watermelon skittles but that name's trademark so i couldn't use it <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, that's sick yeah. <laughs> So, the watermelon skittles, the butch, what about the 24 and 24 karat?
1: Oh, that's great too. That one was really That's nice. a great like that. daily driver for rosin. Um, also, price point's amazing on that.
0: Mm.
1: Uh, we're also going to do a Larry OG. I'm not sure where that's going. I have that in inventory today. I'm not sure it's going to drop in Ontario or another province yet. Mm. But we've only made a thousand units of that
0: one. More mm. controls. Where something drops, like why some stuff is more available in the east as opposed to the west.
1: Or... Um, really, the provincial bodies, that's yeah. what they're willing to buy. So, like Ontario decides what they list, BC decides what they list, and that's what's available
2: to the stores.
0: Okay, that's fair. So, so,
2: so would you say like BC is kind of BC, Alberta, Quebec, are Like which provinces are more, shall I say, willing to try new things and, and
0: like get more get the into the yeah?
2: And, I would say
1: BC for sure the consumer there's a lot more knowledgeable so i think there's a very clear difference between bc and ontario for sure Mm -hmm. over there you talk to most customers they talk to you about terpenes they talk to you about full spectrum oils they understand concentrates right so they're willing to spend a little bit more on good products Mm -hmm. versus in ontario like the majority of the users are like the consumers not educated at all here let's be real they're like the conversation doesn't go past give me the highest THC for yeah. the lowest price, so, example, right? yeah. And like when, you, when you're when you in a market like that, that's still an immature market. The consumer doesn't really know what they're buying. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's I would say that's the major difference between BC and Ontario.
0: Although other provinces, apart from BC, would you say it's more leaning, like if, if, if there's like a spectrum between BC and Ontario on the other side, where do other provinces like sit in the middle?
1: Quebec, there's nothing going on in Quebec. Nothing. Oh, really? So uh, I guess it's all on the concentrate I side because there's a 30% oh. limit on KHC there. Oh. So, like, oh. none of my products can actually can't go there. Yeah. So, oh. let's say Quebec
0: on this side and then BC on this side, then, I guess. Cause... So, Quebec
1: would be the worst because you yeah. can't get any products in there in the first place. Mm. Um, and then you also have, I think Newfoundland is like that as well. Mm-hmm. PEI also very limited. And then you get into Nova Scotia, and New Brunswick, um, it gets a little bit better, but they have a, a very strong preference towards local production, yeah. which is good because they support their local no, producers. No. Um, I think that's amazing, but it also really limits the, the, the variety of product that the yeah. consumer has access to. Yeah. And that really slows down how quickly the consumer can educate themselves. Because so, yeah, like, that's, like not there's, there's not, not a lot to of- get it
2: in, in the first place to try it and know what you're
1: getting. Mm-hmm. A lot of the education comes from like, the consumer themselves trying different products,
0: Yeah, right? I mean, just like, oh shit, this... This,
1: this is thing, what I like, yes. this is what I don't like. And when you're in a market where the government's saying, okay, no, I'm only going to take these types of products um, and not list anything else, well, then the consumer can only shape their preferences based Around on Around that type, type of stuff,
0: yeah. They might be missing a whole other world of stuff that they didn't even know that they would like, you
1: know? Exactly, and then you go, like, further west, you have Ontario where people, like, are a little bit more exposed to other things, but... They still like THC, still the big thing here. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure why that is, but as you go further west, it stops becoming like that. Yeah.
0: I know, but there's a little bit more like BC Mm -hmm. in the sense of like, I don't don't think the consumer business is as knowledgeable because I actually lived out there and I worked a cannabis retail out there too. But I will say that it's a lot better, there's a lot more informed people than like out here. Yeah. From yeah. my experience. I Definitely. Guess. I think
1: um, a big part of it comes uh, down to also how close are you to the border? Mm-hmm. Um, and how many legal markets are across the border and how mature are they? Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. one of the biggest things that BC has. Not only did it have a very old mature market itself, when they but who are their neighbors? Yeah, it's yeah, it's kind Oregon. And, all your neighbors are smoking and all <laughs> yeah. your neighbors have the best weed right yeah. like the west coast you can't touch the quality that they grow not out there yeah. and because of that like things do move across the border right like even though it's not legal yet like people go down south and try all the products down there and mm-hmm. come back up and that also helps to like educate the, the, those consumers a lot more they develop a much more complex palette they start appreciating like appreciating the different products that can be made yeah versus here it's like you can't even access it yeah. to be able to access it where are you going to go also it's been an interesting time where the last two years we've been in this covid environment where people don't really travel much right so like, I think Ontario would have developed a lot faster if we haven't been shut down and travel was a lot more open, because you would have yeah, had people flying out to LA, like, trying to do try try other things. things and, and, and I think that's really hurt the development of the industry here.
0: How long do you think COVID has set, set it back? Or I do you think say it say set it back like,
1: I would say, like, when I came up here, I always used to say Canada was a year or two behind the US market on the West Coast. Mm. I would say now it's probably, like, three or four years behind me but i think we'll catch up very quickly as soon as people start moving again, Move it again right? yeah. the products like the product quality is what it is down there the variety is there you just need the people to go down there to see that hey this is possible too and then when they come back up here they're going to start demanding that same quality it's actually yeah exactly
0: okay oh <coughs> <me>? yeah yeah <laughs> i was just joking for <laughs> a second well yeah i asked all the questions i wanted to ask do you have anything else you want to ask it i like
2: two more i'm going to say this just real quick for the people that like are still getting like still new into concentrates people that are just getting their feet wet besides like going out to experience all the things like how do you like convince them that so weed is good your joints are good but have you tried this because my first time doing that like i was a little scared i was was like am i going to be like how how am i going to say high for but after trying i was like okay this this is nice i might I'll probably do it again. Yeah. Okay, so I guess yeah,
0: how do how do you get people to try something that's like 80 percent TC?
1: So I would say first of all, it's it's just about the amount you consume. So like with the rosin and it's really cool because it has all the things that you want from the plant without the things that you don't want. The things that you're taking out, it's the plant fiber, it's the plant sugars, it's the fats, it's the waxes. Those are the things that don't really have any kind of activity, but they burn and produce byproducts that are gonna sit in your lungs. Yeah. So why do you want all that yeah. stuff to sit in your lungs when you don't really need it to be there? Yeah. Okay. Right? Very valid. Very valid. I think that's like the first thing is like, the first part of the argument is really a health argument. It's yeah. this stuff is better for you because it's not, you're putting a lot less into your lungs than what you need to be putting in. Yeah. And a great way to like imagine what happens is, grab a bong and grab a dab rig, do three dabs, do three bonds. What does a bong look like? What does your dab rig look like, right? That's what your lungs are gonna look like after yeah. a while, right? Yeah. So which one would you rather be doing?
0: Like that's a very valid yeah. argument. Yeah, that's that's made me rethink my whole thing. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like do I, don't, don't, Bro, <laughs> I don't wanna smoke joints anymore. I've used
2: my bong like four times and I don't want to look at it sometimes. Yeah, we have a
0: bong here but we don't really we, we literally just smoke joints. You have a bong here but we don't even really use it. It's more for guests, so when guests come over to get that the but I do. mean, joints are kind of the same. Like you're, you're burning the paper. It, it, it really power. is. You at don't least you see it, but yeah. it is the same. Versus with both are a little bit better too, cause it's like a water at least that catches some shit. Like joints, exactly. just
1: so like I love joints. Like I think joints are amazing, but. <laughs> If I'm trying to preserve my lungs I'm <laughs> a little bit more and still smoke like one or two joints a day versus smoke like eight nine joints a day. That's fair, right. right? Like it depends on how much you smoke. And me personally, I smoke between three to five joints a day on average. Really cool. And if I'm going to be smoking that much, I'd rather replace like most of my joints with dabs and do three or four dabs throughout the day and then have one joint at night. Yeah, just to yeah, so
0: that so, NUD. Yeah. That's a smart plan. You're a smart man. <laughs> <You smoke. laughs> So um, I don't remember. I don't know if you remember this, but on the dream, because we had met him, we met Talal at like uh what my um companies, like was, we had the, an event where they came to to educate us on like concentrates and stuff like that. But I don't know if you remember, but somebody called you the. This
2: Tony Stark of cannabis. Yeah, and there's someone who's called you
0: uh the the Walter White of of Cannabis. Do you feel like Tony Stark or Walter White? I wish man. (laughs) 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 Um honestly like maybe a
1: little bit. Uh it feels weird. Like looking back at the last five, six years, even the last ten years of my life, when I say the story out loud it
2: sounds crazy. It sounds crazy, yeah. (laughs)
0: So like that's that's what I'm trying to get to, to be honest. Like maybe not like Tony Stark or Walter White, but like whatever route I take, I want like my story to be crazy as well. I think that's all we all strive for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So on that note, like somebody who's trying to get into the cannabis industry, like in whatever maybe they want to start growing, they want to start extraction, they want to start whatever they're trying to do. And what advice would you have for somebody? I think first of all, if you're passionate about it, that's the first step. Like
1: passion goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Um, you're like you're not you don't choose what you're passionate about it just happens right yeah. and when you find a career where you can work on something that you're passionate about it doesn't feel like work anymore and when it doesn't feel like work anymore you can put in a lot of hours without burning out yeah and i think that's huge yeah. and you just never get bored you never want to stop right yeah. so it just comes like i think success comes easier when you have passion because it's a lot easier to put in the work and to be committed and dedicate yourself to it. Um, Also, I think you need to be very curious. You need to be open to everything. Like a lot of the things that we went with, like a lot of the methods we use, the technologies we use today, people thought would never actually be commercially viable, but a lot of people were persistent and they kept going after them and eventually they made it happen. And I think the other thing is also like, be willing to try everything. not only in terms of like consuming the product but like like what you guys are doing grow your own plant extract it on your own like try different things make your own edibles doing all that stuff you never know what you're going to learn and you yeah. never know when that is going to become valuable like i can tell you i was making lollipops with cannabis 10 years ago i didn't even know there was going to be a cannabis industry 10 years ago but making you know. making
0: edibles like lollipops i learned a lot of skills that i use today yeah that's amazing man. Oh, it was nice interviewing you, bro. Thank your you, story man. is pretty interesting. I would call you Walter White, cannabis. Like the amount of work you put in, like the fact that you formulate your own shit. That's Thank that's pretty cool. To just me. building
2: building factories from the ground up. That is one of the things that like blows my mind. Like when they call, like hearing. Okay, they called me in to come build a whole factory for them, like start production.
0: You know what is. One thing I've always wanted to do, even as a kid, this was more with dogs before, Uh, when I try cannabis, it moves to cannabis. I always wanted to make, like, I I, I love dogs, dogs, yeah, (laughs) I love dogs. I grew up with dogs, I had a lot of dogs growing up, and I always wanted to, like, and when I found out, my little kid brain found out, like, a Doberman was named a Doberman because the guy who bred the dog was called Doberman, I was like, I want to do my, make my, leave my own mark. Mm -hmm. But then as it moved to cannabis, as I started smoking cannabis, it kind of moves where I want to create my own genetics. I'm like, oh, that's part of the reason why I'm trying to grow as well. So, like, that would be, a as like a goal of mine mm-hmm. something like commercially even if it's not commercially viable just to have like my own like genetics so like for me now what advice would you give me i know all the advice you just gave now but always like specifically for to- you for gen i mean
1: start popping seeds start popping seeds and make sure you build up a solid genetic library mm-hmm. and start pheno hunting until you find something different That's and it, yeah. yeah and you never know like you can like some people have to go through ten thousand seeds before they strike gold. Some people only go through two or three, to strike to, like
0: seeds before they find something special. Yeah. It's we never luck. Yeah. All right, no problem. I right, thank you so much. Do you have any last questions for him? Not really a,
2: like question for him. I just wanted him to because I'm sure some people will probably be wondering what everything here is. Oh, going oh, oh, We're gonna, we're
0: gonna <laughs> do some shit on yeah. camera. Relax. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're definitely gonna to touch that. This was yeah. just uh just, just get... and end the conversation before we start. The yeah, video exactly. There, right? <laughs> I know after I smoke this, I'm not even gonna be able to talk, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna be staring there at you know. like this. <laughs> right, I guess on that note, we're gonna end this. This has been another episode of the Frag Shipping Podcast. Hope you guys like this one. If you wanna see more content like this, message us, like subscribe, comment, all that good shit. If this helped you, please
2: leave a like, leave a comment, let us know what you want to see more of. Let us know how much you enjoyed this episode, and that's really all. That's it, man. Take um, it to... thank, thank, thank you so
0: much you. for having me, guys. Yeah. This was... It was a pleasure. It was, it was a great nice conversation. conversation. Yeah, it was, awesome. <laughs> it was a great conversation. Thank you. All right. Take it easy, guys. Peace, love, and spread. all that good shit. Love life. Stay safe.
2: Bye.